We're going to look at, uh, as uh, the Holy Spirit would have it, uh, one, one of the things that makes God so great, and you can make the case that uh, maybe you put this near number one. Let's see what you think. In a word, what makes God great is empathy, and uh, let's talk about empathy a bit. Those of you who have been here know that we're in the middle of a series we're calling Square One. We're taking a look at what are the key ingredients, if West Bowles was a cake, what are the key ingredients that goes into baking the West Bowles cake? What makes West Bowles West Bowles? And last week we talked about one of the things that makes West Bowles West Bowles is that West Bowles is a place where people can find community, where they can find meaningful relationships. If you missed last week's sermon, uh, as many did because of the storm, um, that message um, of last week where we talked about everyone playing a part, no role being unimportant in the body of Christ. That message is online. I urge you to take a look. Uh, I think uh, God will bless you through it. It's something we all need to hear. But this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off, talking about um, West Bowles being a place where people can find community, find meaningful relationships. And um, one word, the one word I want to camp on you with the, uh, camp on with you this morning, is that word uh, empathy, because empathy needs to describe the relationships among us, my brothers and sisters. Um, first, let's define empathy a bit. Uh, uh, empathy is putting ourselves in the place of another and actually feeling how we would feel if we were them. Actually feeling it. It's often described, empathy is, as standing in someone else's shoes or entering into their story. In fact, it comes from the German word Einfühlung, which I'm sure I've butchered. But um, literally, Einfühlung means feeling into. That's what empathy is. It's feeling, uh, feeling into what someone else is feeling. Sympathy, uh, it's also a feeling of care and understanding uh, for the suffering of others. But empathy goes further because empathy is the ability to, to, to mutually experience the thoughts and emotions of someone else. If I'm only sympathetic, I might recognize another suffering, and that might move me emotionally. But if I'm empathetic, I actually share another suffering as if it were my own. And so empathy is far more personal, far more intimate. And we need to continue to be a place, West Bulls. We need to develop even more to be that kind of community, the kind of community where others actually feel what I'm feeling or what you're feeling in the kind of community where you actually feel what others are going through. And um, why is that so important, do you reckon? 
Why is empathy even vital for a Christian community? Have you ever thought about that? Well, think about that for a minute, and I'll circle back to it. While we're thinking about it, here's, here's a rush through some biblical insight into empathy. Uh, many are surprised, I know I was, that that word empathy, uh, it doesn't appear in the Bible. You won't find it. And it's deeply ironic because the biblical precedent, the biblical voice, the biblical message is nevertheless empathy. It's an enormous foundational theme in God's Word. And that's because the Bible, first and foremost, reveals to us who God is. And God is deeply empathetic. And so, of course, the Bible is empathetic as it describes and reveals him. And I don't know if you've ever considered this as um, you compare religions or you study religion or you yourself um, um, have been a part of another religion or following another God, but have you ever considered that our God, the Christian God, the one and only true God, have you ever considered that he is so radically unique because he is empathetic. Can you name even one other so-called God in history and even through today whose nature is grounded in empathy? I can't name one. God is radically unique because he is empathetic. If you take the Greeks... For example, those New Testament Greeks and, 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 and all of their gods. Boy, when the Apostle Paul and others came along and told them about our God, those Greeks had to be absolutely floored over God's empathy, the fact that he even cared. In fact, so floored that God's empathy was probably at first uh, even a stumbling block uh, to their believing in God, if you can imagine. Because to Greeks, the Greek way of thinking, empathy between humans and gods, well, that's impossible. The gap between human and God was too great. The gods could not possibly empathize with human beings. Are you kidding me? The experience the experience of, of, being a God, of being a God was so different from the experience of being human that there's no possibility for empathy between them. A God couldn't feel what people felt. And people couldn't feel what a, a God felt. They might be able to imagine it, but the gap between mortal and immortal was too great for even empathy to stretch across. And it's against that backdrop, again, not only of the Greek New Testament understanding of gods, but like I've suggested, in stark, radical contrast to every other so-called God all time, it's against that backdrop that our God comes, and our God whose very nature is empathy, whose very nature is to feel what people feel. And oh, 
It's a real challenge for me this morning, and so I'm going to move quickly through this because I just want to give you a scope biblically of where we can find God's empathy. It's everywhere. You don't have to read far. It's right away in Genesis, for example. God's empathy is center stage because he notices that Adam's alone. And out of empathy, he creates Eve and give Adam and Eve to each other. And still in Genesis, God in empathy over the now sinful condition of Adam and Eve and humanity, in empathy God promises to send the one to crush the serpent's head, to defeat the devil once and for all, and to renew everything. And then when God is faced with the very first murder of Cain killing his brother Abel, God in deep empathy gives Cain a mark of protection. And then there stands God with Abram making the covenant. God in empathy offering himself really as collateral to the promise to send the one to give his own life. It just amazes me, by the way, that so many, uh, that some teachers can claim that the Old Testament isn't about grace. Seriously. God in love and empathy preserves humanity with Noah through the flood, giving humanity yet another chance. God in empathy is patient, abundantly patient with King Saul. God's empathy is center stage in his patience with Israel. And on and on and on, God's empathy pours from the pages of the Bible. And then in the Psalms, my second, my second all-time favorite biblical picture of God's empathy. God feeling what we're feeling. And you find it in Psalm 56, verse 8, where, did you know, we learn that God has a tear bottle. And you know what he does with his tear bottle? God carefully collects and preserves our tears. Every one of them. So we know that he's remembering them. You have to find a literal translation of that verse to catch it. The New American Standard catches it well. David is writing, he says of God, You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? And then later in that psalm, David says, By this I will know that God is for me. Our tears are preserved in God's tear bottle. Still today, at Jewish funerals, and I was a part of one uh, several years ago where this happened, there's a tradition for um, mourners to pass around a small bottle. And each one, in their turn, if they like, uh, to, to drop a tear into that bottle, and that bottle then is laid to rest with the body. A symbol to show that this person was indeed loved and cherished and is now missed. God's tear bottle, my second all-time favorite biblical picture of God's empathy for people. Um, I used to have my high school students trained that uh, whenever I said, this is my second favorite, this is my second favorite, that they would immediately ask me what question. So glad you asked. My first favorite picture, my first favorite picture uh, in the Bible for God's empathy is so much more than a picture. You know him. 
Uh, he's a person. He is, in fact, empathy in the flesh. God's empathy is loudly proclaimed in Jesus. Jesus, the incarnation of God. Jesus, God himself becoming flesh and blood and literally entering into our story of suffering and pain so he could feel how we feel and we could know he feels what we feel. Now that's empathy in the flesh. Isaiah says of Jesus, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. And as we know, especially this time of year, he carried them all the way to the cross so that one day there wouldn't be any more tears left to put in any bottle. So deep is God's empathy for us. And my goodness, Jesus, during his time here on earth, the empathy he had for people. It shouts from the Gospels. One time Jesus comes across a funeral procession where a widow has lost her son. And we see Jesus deeply moved. He feels her pain as if it's his own. And he can't help it because it's who he is. And he tells her, don't cry. And out of empathy, he raises that boy back from the dead in Luke 7. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus heals a deaf man. But before doing so, Jesus does something that struck um, many biblical scholars as kind of curious. It says Jesus takes him aside away from the crowds. One take on that is, is Jesus' empathy, perhaps saving the man some embarrassment over his condition, which Jews thought at that time must have been because he really did some whopper of a sin. And maybe to save him from the gawks and the stares as he tried in vain to speak. And maybe could only make a noise or his speech was slurred. And, and there's Jesus in empathy. Despite the whole crowd, goes up to the man. He says, here, come, friend. Let, let's go over here. Just the two of us. Just you and me. Away from them. And let me take a look at those ears and he heals them and the man can hear in Mark 1 Mark tells us that moved with compassion Jesus heals a leper before feeding the 4,000 we're told Jesus miracle is it's motivated by none other than empathy he has compassion on the people because they're sitting there all day listening to his teaching and and they were hungry. He felt their hunger. And then there's John 11 where, where Jesus is, is moved to tears when he sees the pain of those who had lost Lazarus. And in tears in context, Jesus calls out, come out to Lazarus and raises him from the dead. And perhaps there's no more explicit example showing Jesus' empathy for his people, his feeling what they feel, his feeling what we feel. No more explicit example than in Jesus' words to Saul before Saul became the Apostle Paul. 
Many of you remember the story, Saul is on his way to Damascus to arrange for the murder of more Christians. And Jesus meets Saul on the road to Damascus. And do you catch how Jesus even introduces himself and tells Saul who he is? He says, Saul, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Not Saul, I'm Jesus, whose followers you are persecuting. Saul, I'm the one you're persecuting. Empathy in the flesh, this Jesus. And the Apostle Paul certainly noticed. Many of you remember the story. One time Paul calls out to the Roman jailer who's about to kill himself because he thinks Paul has escaped after an earthquake, knocks open the prison doors. No, Paul yells out to the jailer, don't do it. We're still here. Is it out of empathy for the jailer that Paul and Silas stay sitting there in their cell when they're free to simply run? And Paul relentlessly writes to the early churches, relentlessly writes to us today to be empathetic to each other. In the passage we looked at last week about the people of the church being parts of the body, Paul says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. That's empathy. In Romans, Paul tells the church, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And it's not only the Apostle Paul, the author of Hebrews says this, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. Remember those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Empathy on display. Do we get the idea that empathy is a big deal in the kingdom of God? And so if it's a big deal in the kingdom of God, doesn't empathy need to be a big deal in the witness of the kingdom of God, the church, us? Rebecca shared um, a video with me that she discovered, and I think it captures so well the empathy we need as followers of Jesus. I saw, I saw myself in this video over and over. And I saw my own deep need to get empathy for others. As, um, as you watch it now, do you see yourself in this video in places? And do you see your own need, perhaps, to develop more empathy for people? Let's watch. Kid, every time I'm pulling out, he's right there. Man, and someone needs to talk to his parents if they're ever at home. What is up with the traffic today? It's always, every day, this intersection's always crowded. I hate 
pulling out of here. Maybe some of these dumb roads. Oh, there's. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I'm not even here. Right. Great lady. The princess of parking. Oh, sure. Take the spot. Way to be considerate. Oh, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Oh. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, it's about time. Let's see, what do I want? Uh, yeah, could I add a cookie to that order? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, no problem, only guy in the world. I'm sure you need your cookie. The world, your oyster, and he's serving your cookie. Thanks, Thank sir. you so much. Uh -huh. What can I get for you? Uh, yeah, I'll have a tall decaf macchiato. Yeah, sure, no problem. Two, three, eighty-five. And uh, it might take a few minutes here. We've got quite a line, obviously, and thanks for your patience. Great. Yeah, <laughs> great. Great for me. Waiting again. Unbelievable. What? What is... What is that? What in the world? Oh, uh, uh. what? What am I supposed to do? How can I? How can I do anything about that? Can I even help with that? I don't. Your coffee, sir. Oh. I, I can't. I can't take this anymore. I, I gotta get out of here. Hey, watch it. Sorry, so Hey, buddy, come here. The power of even a small, tiny piece of empathy. Can any of us exaggerate what that small piece of empathy he showed to that boy at the end might have meant in that boy's life? I want a pair of those glasses.
And we do, you know. It's called the Holy Spirit. If you're in Christ, you have Him. Do you choose to look at people through His lenses? Emerson Egerich tells a story at his marriage conferences. He swaps out lots of stories in the several conferences I've seen live or on tape, but he always keeps this story in play. If you've been to the conference, you've heard it before. I apologize, but uh, only a little. Because uh, for me, at least, it's one of those stories I need, to, I need to hear a lot. And it's been a lot on my heart and mind since the Love and Respect Conference um, a couple of weeks ago. A man uh, um, and his three kids, small kids, get on a crowded bus. And the man goes and finds a seat and just slumps and looks out the window. Meanwhile, his three boys, <laughs> speaking of Cain, they're raising Cain on this bus. And they're yelling and they're shouting and they're fighting with each other and they're running up and down the aisles. And the level of indignation and the level of annoyance for everyone in the bus is rising. And they're all like looking at that father. What kind of father is this? Doesn't even care. How rude. And finally, the kid bumps some guy and he spills some coffee on himself and that guy's had enough and he gets up and he goes and finds a man and he grabs him by the shoulder and he says, you need to get a control of your kids. You even notice what's going on with your kids? And the man shakes himself loose and he looks up and he says, oh, I'm so sorry. We just came from the hospital they just lost their mother, and I'm sure they're acting out. And in an instant, in an instant, the entire feel and emotion toward this man and those kids changed 180 degrees. In an instant we talk a lot here about uh, the greatest commandment and the second is like it it's hard to forget it every time you come in the sanctuary love God love others and I've always thought um, you know, that love others part. In fact, Jesus goes on and he says, love others as yourself. And I always thought it's kind of odd for God to put self-love as the standard for what my love for others needs to be like, as if to say, well, I better be really, really, really in love with myself in order for me to know how to love others. Ever strike you that way? If it does, or if it ever did, we missed it. So I think Jesus is getting after empathy. Because check it out. If we're truly transformed in Christ, then our self gets redefined. 
and ourself in empathy, what we feel includes what others feel. And so self-love in Christ is love of others. So indeed, love others as yourself. Feel what they feel and love them that way. Oh, West Bowles, we need to be a place where empathy happens here in community. Because empathy acts as a crowbar. It pries open that gap between the person who's made in the image of God and the sin and struggles and brokenness that they struggle with. And through that gap, love can run. I have a lot of people tell me, you know, the love God, love others things. Love God, I get. I can love God, what he did for me. Wow. I love you, Lord. Praise the Lord. But this love others part, including my enemies, I, I, I don't love them. If you struggle with that kind of love, Consider empathy. Because if love, uh, if, if love is an engine, I think maybe empathy is the fuel that allows it to run. Because no matter who you are or who I am, if we're in relationship together, if I come with those Holy Spirit get empathy spectacles, those glasses, and I come into any relationship or encounter with anyone I have knowing, you know what? This person is created in the image of God. Bible says so. And you know what? This person for sure has issues, just like me. And this person for sure has a story that explains why this person might offend me or hurt me or be less than perfect. How can I help this person made in the image of God? How can I join with them and become brothers and brothers and sisters in fighting that sinful result of the fall problem with the power of the Holy Spirit? Rather than being tempted down that road of Righteous indignation because this person's brokenness, this person has hurt me. And oh, I so badly want that for West Bulls. I so badly want that for me. To be able to see clearly people in the image of God. In the context of marriage, Dr. Egerich talks about seeing Jesus standing behind the person that you're upset with. Can you picture it? Someone hurts you. doesn't have to be a spouse. Maybe it is. Someone in Christian community does something that annoys you, and you get all indignant, and well, he and well, she said, and I can't believe what they did to me. And if we can just see the God who created them standing behind them, the God who created them in his image, saying, Todd, Todd, yes, but Lord, he said, I know, I heard it. 
But God, I can't believe what they're doing, and they shouldn't be able to get away with that because I have rights. Yes, Todd, I know. What they did was awful. Yes, I know what they did. You need to forgive them. Forgive them? Well, that's easy for you to say, God, because you don't know how it feels. Oh, God says, I don't know how it feels. Todd, and you teach my word? Oh, that's right. You do know how it feels. And you're not asking me to do anything that you didn't do. And you're not asking me to do anything that you don't give me the power to do. And if we can get there with each other, my brothers and sisters, the healing that the Holy Spirit can accomplish in us and others is infinite. If we can find empathy for each other. Let's be a community of empathy. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh, it's so easy and it seems to feel so good, Father, to go down the path of righteous indignation, even with those that are closest to us. Father, would you... Would you close that road to our feelings and emotions and spirit? And instead, would you throw open the door of empathy? Help us to see others as you see them. Someone made in your image who also, like us, has a story that explains the hard parts about them. And in that gap of empathy, Father, allow your love to wash over us, wash over them, and unite us in that unity that the devil can't touch. And unite us together in the power of the Holy Spirit to fight that which makes the universe and us broken. In the power of your name, I pray. Amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction this morning? It comes from the Gospel of Matthew. I think most of you have heard it before, but most of you, if you're like me, you focus on the first part and you forget the second. And the second part of it really drove home to me this week. See how Jesus' words impacts you this morning. Jesus says, In everything, therefore, treat others as you want them to treat you. And then this, For this is the law and the prophets. In other words, you want a summary of Genesis through Revelation? 
You want a summary of the Word of God? In everything, treat others as you would have them treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 Come to the Love Connection game tonight. Don't want to miss it. Five o'clock. See you then.